And thank you, everybody, for coming to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. Today, I'm speaking with Cardin Ellis. She is a three-time author. Um, she has three books out there, Applying for Jobs in Norway, Working with Norwegians, and a book in Norwegian called Fler Kulturelle Arbeidsplatser. Uh, of course, if you don't read Norwegian, you might have a problem with that one. But if you do read Norwegian, check that one out along with the two other books. Uh, Karin is the head of Ellis Culture, which you can get at ellisculture.com. All of the information about what she does is there. And she also does some interesting and somewhat risky but beautiful work in Ukraine. Check out this conversation and you'll get all that information. This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And there she is, Cardin Ellis. Welcome. It's so good to have you here. I'm very interested in you and the work that you do. And I see that lovely logo behind you, ellisculture.com. And for those of you who are not watching but only listening that's culture spelled in the english slash american way with a c not with the norwegian k elliskulture.com uh tell me about your work uh yes i conduct intercultural trainings so i developed and uh, conduct courses and i write books and my courses and books are about uh, different cultures understand cultural awareness And uh, what I do most of the time is I teach uh, immigrants in Norway. Uh, I explain the unwritten rules of Norwegian Norwegian culture and workplaces. So I mainly focus on workplace cultures. And in my courses and books, I try to go deeper than other courses and books by uh, by explaining the Norwegian mindset the expectations and preferences of Norwegian employers. Uh, And and this is knowledge that is hard to find in other places and would take years to build up on your own. Well, you kind of nailed it with your last phrase there, that it can take a long time for newcomers, immigrants to, to Norway. It can take them a long time to figure these things out. I know people who have been here for a couple of decades or more and they still don't have, they, ha- they haven't reached that comfortable spot in their professional life, in their work life. They're still trying to figure out, they're still trying to navigate that mysterious thing, which is the Norwegian work culture. What are some of the things about the Norwegian work culture that make it, that can make it difficult for newcomers to find work? I, I think Norway is actually a, a very difficult country to come to uh, as a newcomer. Uh, it's even difficult for Norwegian newcomers to the workplace because we are so extremely independent in, in Norway. Uh, in fact, the World Value Survey shows that Norway is a country in the world where we like to be um, our children to become very independent. So there is an expectation in Norwegian workplaces that people are able to work very independently. And newcomers to the workplace are often told, here's your desk, here's your computer, here's your phone. Good luck. Just ask if you have any questions. 
And this can be very intimidating to newcomers, uh, not to get, uh, to get so little guidance. You've said something that has kind of been in my subconscious thought process, this whole thing about independence at the Norwegian workplace. Now, I've been here for 21 years, so I've been in one way or another, whether I'm working on my own or places I've been hired. I've been in the Norwegian work environment, and yes, it is expected this this um it's it's expected that one works independently and is self-motivated whereas back home in america it's the opposite so many work environments are micromanaged you literally have a boss standing over your shoulder looking at your 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 laptop or your computer or your paperwork and double triple checking and very heavily criticizing your workflow big difference. And that can be, you know, at the same time, I would imagine as an American, for example, would be complaining about that micromanaging if they were all of a sudden put into this very uh, independent expectation in the Norwegian workforce, that can be intimidating. That can be difficult to adjust to. It can lead to a lack of initiative and and, and just um, doing nothing. You don't know how to take initiative. Yeah. So, uh, so I think the lack of clarity in Norwegian workplaces is the biggest challenge. And that is what I address in my courses and books, because in Norway, when you work in, in most workplaces, especially if it's a workplace where, especially if it's, if it's a job that requires higher education, there will be lack of guidance in the beginning, uh, or lack of guidance in general. And uh, usually the expectations are not explained. There is a lack of clear mandate. So you don't really know what mandate you have. There's a lack of follow-up. And there's often a lack of feedback. And especially if the feedback is negative, like how you could improve your work. Because Norwegians also tend not to be comfortable giving negative feedback. So there you have in all levels, you have from, from the guidance and then uh, through the follow-up and, and the feedback, there's unclarity. And if you don't know what to expect and you're used to being told what to do, this can actually, um, it can halt your career, actually. That's very interesting. Um, it, it sounds, you know, you listed up a few things that I don't know if we can call them flaws, but uh, realities in the Norwegian work environment, uh, flaws in the leadership styles that possibly lead to some uncomfortable moments for new employees. But this is a two-sided thing because there's also responsibility for the employee. Oh, yes. How so, so, so how does a newcomer to Norway, to the Norwegian workforce, see these things for what they are and find solutions to them? Uh, or maybe a deeper question, a better question, how does Ellis culture help these newcomers to navigate this crazy Norwegian free, free-flowing, uh, independent work life. Well, I explain all these unwritten rules and how to deal with the lack of clarity, and I start by explaining. So awareness of it helps. Yeah, awareness. So uh, first of all, they need to uh, expect that it's going to be like this, and then they need to have a strategy for how to deal with it. So I try to help them build that strategy. And I start by uh, explaining two things, actually. I explain the Norwegian model to them. 
and why the Norwegian model, I mean, it has a lot of elements, but two of the elements are the democratic leadership style and the employee involvement. So as an employee in Norway, you need to involve yourself more than just doing your job. And involvement is also showing initiative. It's about helping colleagues. It's about getting involved in discussions. It's about sharing information, being helpful. Uh, it's also about taking a bigger responsibility. If you see that something can be done in a smarter way or, or a continuous improvement, uh, helping to uh, improve the workplace, it's about all these things. So that's a Norwegian model. But I also start by explaining how this extreme independence was introduced to me as a child when I started school. So my mother would never, uh, she would explain the unwritten rule to me and it's called with freedom comes responsibility. In Norwegian it's called frihet under ansvar. So it, it's actually a term in Norwegian. And so my mother didn't check my schoolwork. Uh, she didn't uh, tell me to do my schoolwork. She just trusted me. I'm not going to let my kids hear this part. Yeah, so she trusted me to do it, but she explained the rules to me in the beginning. She said, I will trust you, and I will expect you always to take responsibility for your homework um, without me asking you to do it and without me checking you. I will not follow you up, uh, but from time to time, you will have problems or issues or things you need to discuss with me. And then you can always come to me. I was, will always be uh, available and ready uh, to help you. So she demanded from me that I always uh, took responsibility for my schoolwork. And I always uh, uh, tried to solve my problems first before coming to her. So I was able to develop my own methods for being independent so what she actually did was she introduced me to the leadership style that would come later. So I was prepared for it when I was um, moving on uh, to become an employee. And that is very good parenting. Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes, and I'm not a child psychologist or a, a, a parenting counselor, but I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen in the work that I do and have done up through the years is that parents get in their children's way. Parents take over to the point to where it stunts the the critical thinking capabilities of their children. It it stops that de decision making uh, uh, process that children should have. Uh, um, actually, to a certain degree, starting from birth. <laughs> But especially when they're getting up into their teen years, if your parenting style is very much on uh, in the sense, and I put that in air quotes, on in the sense that you are the one running your child's life rather than allowing your ch child to run their own life and come to you for guidance. That's not good for children. Uh, it sounds like your your mother did. Yeah. Did the job, as you say, she laid the groundwork for you to be able to, to, to function as an adult as you are today. Yeah. And one of the challenges that many uh, foreign employees feel in Norway is that they feel that their leader doesn't see their work, is not interested in their work. And they feel that they're not seen, their work is not important and so on. But then I tell them that my mother was super interested in my schoolwork. But what she was actually doing was that she was giving me space 
to do the work on my own without her micromanaging me. And uh, then I, uh, I de- developed my own method- methods, as I mentioned. And I say to the um, foreign employees in Norway that this is what your boss is doing. So it's not lack of interest. It's actually giving you the space and trusting you. So then they understand more because this can also lead, lead to lack of, um, lack of motivation if you feel yes. that your boss doesn't take any interest in your work. But if you understand that this is linked to trust and freedom and, and, and giving you the space, uh, then it, it's a different thing. Well, let me ask you this. Trust and, and, and freedom to make one's own decisions at work is a, is a good thing. It's a very, it, it adds to the laid back and more productive atmosphere that a work environment uh, uh, should have day to day. But if you have employees who are experiencing moments of insecurity because they feel that they're not seen, there's not enough communication flow or feedback Mm. from their bosses, isn't that an issue that the bosses, Norwegian bosses, should actually take more into consideration and be more forthcoming with their with their advice, with their feedback, with their compliments, with their constructive criticism? Are they maybe too silent? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, So I have written three books. Two of them are for non-Norwegians. And the third one is more for Norwegians. And in the book for Norwegians, I say to Norwegians, I also have courses for them, that you actually need to see your employee more and you need to talk to them more and find out what kind of guidance they, they really need, especially in the beginning and what they are used to, to make the transition into Norwegian work life more smooth for them. So I advise them to actually do more guidance and talk more to people, to newcomers in particular, to find out how much guidance, how much management would you like to have in the beginning? Uh, so, so kind of individual. Both sides. Sorry? Yeah. I was saying, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's I find I find that very interesting, and I didn't know this this aspect of your work that you approach it from both sides. Yes. You are advising the immigrant, uh, empl- the new immigrant employees, but you're also advising the Norwegian bosses. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which customer group has been the most responsive to the work that you do? I was quite surprised because my background is from the private industry and I expected to do most courses for them. But I have found myself over the years, because my company is now almost 13 years old, uh, that it's mainly the universities. So I conduct courses at the universities, uh, especially the large ones in Norway, uh, for the international employees. So it's not for the students although I have done a few courses for the students too, but it's mainly for those who are on master degree level, they are considered employees, uh, PhD, uh, postdocs, researchers. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, again, I find that very interesting that you also approach the, uh, the, the, the people in leadership positions, but I guess in order for the work environment to function better, I'm, 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 I think I'm correct in assuming that that is one of your primary goals is that you just want the environment to function better for everybody. Um, of course, it has to be approached. Can I tell you why I started my own company? Uh, because my background is that I'm actually an IT engineer and I worked for 30 years in large Norwegian companies with an international presence. And I worked also outside of Norway. 
And then I, I, I realized that my, my real interest in life was not computers. It was actually people and learning as much as I could about the cultures I came into contact with. Then I started making these courses and I did them as a, I made them as an internal activity in the company I worked for. Uh, but then I started thinking that Norway actually has become multicultural very quickly. And we have what I call growing pains. We are becoming multicultural uh, so quickly that our authorities, in a way, don't know fully how to deal with it. And I felt that not enough was being done to help people integrate into the society and especially into work life. So I started making these courses uh, in 2008 and, and I started my company because I actually wanted to work full time on this. And now I've been doing it for many years and still today, the course called Working with Norwegians, I feel is very unique in Norway and I'm the only native Norwegian who has written such a book and also uh, conducting such a course. Tell us the name of that book, please. Yeah. Sorry. Tell us the name of that book, please. Uh, Working with Norwegians. I can show it here. Uh, here. I hope you can see it. Working with Norwegians. It's yeah. also in several other languages. Uh, in Norwegian, of course, and Ukrainian. Yeah. And Ukrainian as well. Um, integration is a two-sided task. There's a certain amount of responsibility for those who come to Norway, and there's a certain amount of responsibility for the greater Norwegian society. Do you think integration, not just in the workplace, but integration in general in Norway, is functioning well? Uh, How do you feel about that? I feel it's not functioning well, actually. How so? Uh, I think it's, uh, well, failing is, What's a, missing? failing is a strong word, but I, I, I think we are not doing enough on all levels. It starts from the moment you, you touch, your feet touch the ground, really, and you start wondering how to get an ID number, how to get a bank account, uh, how to get this bank ID so you can log on uh, and so on. And I expected, because I had a Ukrainian girl living with me for four years, and I followed her through the process. And when when her immigration was okayed by the UDI, the immigration police, I asked, is there a brochure <laughs> of how to, what the next steps are? And they just looked at me and, what, brochure? No, and I said, okay, tell, please tell us where we should start. And I think they said, go to the tax office. But why isn't there a brochure, easy peasy, with recommendations on what to do? And there isn't. And then I, I'm also an honorary consul of Estonia. I have been involved in the child care. Child care in Norway is also a sensitive topic, uh, which I don't think we should discuss here. But all I want to say is I was looking for a brochure there what it entails to have a child in Norway, what is good uh, good looking after your child. There is no proper brochure uh, that I could find at that time, at least. So I think we're not doing it well enough. And this is why I started my company. And I'm focusing on one thing because I am one person. 
But I wish there would be more people doing this because I think it could be done in a better way. Amen. I, I agree. Um, I've done, uh, it's been a while, but I did a lot of work with um, uh, uh, Barnavan Child Care yeah. Services mm. uh, here in Norway. I also was employed for four and a half, almost five years by uh, the immigration police, not UDI, but Politietsu uh, Lendings and And to see the quality of immigrants to Norway firsthand, uh, that kind of goes against what is popular out there, that Norway just accepts whoever. Uh, uh, you know, and that's, that is a political debate, I think, about the requirements to immigrate to Norway or to get uh, asylum status in Norway. But for me, to see the quality of these people with, with great education, um, great resources, and then they're met with, if not resistance um, by the system, a lack of clarity within the system, as you say, uh, very little information about some of the basic things that maybe you and I take for granted, but for them as a somewhat fearful or at least nervous newcomer to the country, these things are vital. It's, it's quite vital that they get answers to some of these things that we think are base, very basic. So there's a lot of holes in the system. And I think about this, you know, I, like I say, I've been here for 21 years. Uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant uh, to Norway. But I came here with a different background than someone who came from a country that's torn up by war or um, a country that does not have uh, a solid protection of civil rights. So, in other words, people are coming to Norway with a significant amount of trauma, uh, uh, emotional baggage, financial baggage. Uh, and then they're met with some of these challenges that are there for all immigrants, but some of these challenges are challenges were easier for me to navigate because of my background, my education. Uh, I came here with my Norwegian wife. We were married and we lived in uh, the USA for two years before we came here to Norway. Um, and I look at the problems that I had, yeah. the difficulties that I had, and then I think of someone who came from, you know, whatever country in Africa, for example, with, uh, uh, and they maybe grew up in a land of war. And then they come here and they meet the same challenges I met, plus other challenges. But they also. They, and I they, just wonder how in the world do they make it? How do they? How do they make it? Well, they, they make get it an because of people like program, you. So maybe they're getting some help with this. But I still can't understand why there isn't a brochure of how to get started in Norway. How hard can it may be to make such a brochure? Mm. Exactly, and, and I, to kind of wind up my point, you know. When I came here with my wife, of course, she's, you know, Norwegian and she grew up here and lived here for at that point 30 some odd years before she moved to the States with me. So she had answers to all of these questions. But again, that's my position of privilege within the immigrant community. 
I look at other immigrants and just wonder, okay, they don't have anyone to answer those questions. They don't even know what questions to ask. So yes, a simplified information flow should be in place. Is there any hope that the work that you could, that you do could be not taken over because you want to, you want your business to run, but is there some way that the work that you do could be incorporated into some national uh, uh, protocol that could assist in making things easier? You know, you're doing the work that you're doing within your business Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you, you know, you're Mm -hmm. being on this program right now is helping to promote what you do. I'm sure you do other things to promote it, but, if this was a national movement doing the kind of work that you're doing, it would have much greater significance. Why is the work that you do not recognize to the degree that it should be? I, I don't know, really. Um, I work with refugees a lot, and I have courses and books in Ukrainian, and I find, um, I don't know whether it's political or what, but I will contact Kompetence Norge uh, to find out if my courses, because I have e-learning courses ready-made in Ukrainian language, and I don't think there are any uh, in Ukrainian, at least, uh, made. And I think if they were going to be made by by a, a government project, it would probably cost a lot of money. And I have made them with very little resources and they are now running, and I have sold, uh, um, and, and I'm selling them non-profit. All my Ukrainian products are non-profit because I don't want to make a profit from a war. Uh, so some of the um, some of the um, municipalities are using these courses right now, and I'm hoping actually that the, the more official bodies can acknowledge them and and in a way promote them to make them available because at least with the refugees, my my main target is actually my main goal is to um, to make them available for as many people as as possible. With refugees, I don't want to make money; it's non-profit. Because and if I make any profit, which I did this year because of high volume, it, they were actually became uh, quite popular. I spent it on Ukraine, so the money went back to Ukraine. Um, but I would like to see my courses more available in Norwegian society. But uh, I think there's policy. I think it would and, be a great service. Yeah. And, and I think it would go a long way towards making the situation better for, um, well, for everyone. Because I, I say this, if, if, the, if the weakest among us have it a little bit better and become a little bit stronger, hmm. that means that the greater society becomes a little bit better and a little bit stronger. I guess that's why, and I don't know, maybe I, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm living in a nirvana of sorts, but I just don't understand the pushback. You know, those who are anti-immigration, there's so much competence outside the borders of Norway, outside the borders of the United States. There's a lot of competence out there. There are a lot of beautiful people. Why not help them? And if that means dump, you know, a lot of people are against dumping money at the issue. Well, if that so-called dumping money at them then puts them in a position to where they can have gainful employment and actually contribute to society through taxes, through the sharing of their competence, isn't that better for society? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe so. There's a shortage of manpower in Norway right now. So if you're listening to this podcast, there is a shortage of manpower, especially high-skilled manpower. 
but also on all levels. So I'm also working on helping job seekers in Norway. So we have talked about the workplace culture so far, which is what I started with. Uh, but I'm also working on helping job seekers, uh, non-Norwegian job seekers, finding work and understanding uh, how to make a Norwegian-style CV, an application letter, how to behave in a job uh, interview and so on. So my courses and books are different from others. So I don't just push information that you can find in other places. I try to share knowledge again that is hard to find in other places and would take years to build up on your own. So people, yeah, so people can check out these courses and books at ellisculture.com. That's E-L-L-I-S-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com, ellisculture.com. I say that for the people who are just, yeah, I say that for the people who are just listening and not watching. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, we want most people to be watching us on YouTube, but some people listen on Spotify uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and whatnot. So that's ellisculture.com. Because, um, can I just add something? Because I explain how sure. some typical uh, behavior that, for instance, Americans would have in Norway, how that would put off Norwegian employers. And I don't, I don't just explain how it puts them off, but I explain how you can change and what the alternatives are. So, for instance, yeah. uh, how to sell yourself, your own competence and skills. Uh, that would be uh, musical, <laughs> in a way, to uh, Norwegian ears, uh, rather than the American way, which would come off a bit wrong uh, in Norway. So that's just uh, one example, but there are many examples in my courses and books. You know, and, and those little nuances, those little cultural differences uh, can be very small, but they become quite obvious, quite, they shine brightly in an interview situation. As you say, you know, how do you present your skill set? You know, in America, it can be beneficial to be very direct and confident, whereas that can be interpreted as something to fear, avoid, or so, or, or it can be a sign of arrogance of uh, uh, in, in, in the Norwegian work environment. So it's very important to be aware of those things. I, I, I know a few of uh, my fellow American expats here in Norway who um, I mentioned some of them have been here for 20 or 30 years and have never started with meaningful employment that they that they get something out of, that they feel uh, it, uh, matches them. And at the same time, some of them refuse to understand these small nuances that become quite destructive in an interview situation or in a work environment in Norway. So it's important. We need to hear what you have to say. And we need to learn these things. We need to apply them. So that's that's what my <clears throat> books and courses focus on mainly. Yeah. So you, you have three books out there and how many courses? Uh, well, that depends on what I'm requested. So I when I get requests, yeah, and, and when they say what uh, the request is, I try to tailor it. So each course, like classroom courses are usually tailored, but I have e-learning courses. I have three. So, um, uh, no, I have three different languages. Sorry, I have two e-learning courses in three different languages, and it's working with Norwegians and applying for jobs in Norway in three languages. What are the languages? Uh, uh, English, Norwegian, and Ukrainian. Okay. Hmm. 
Do, do you speak uh, Ukrainian? Is it you giving the... Uh, uh, it is me in the courses, uh, but uh, they are with subtitles, Ukrainian subtitles. Okay. Yes, yeah. I don't speak Ukrainian, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I could. Okay. <laughs> um, can I ask you about your work in Ukraine? Um you 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 went into a profit situation uh, this past uh, year, mm. and you're taking that uh, profit and you're putting it back yes. uh, into Ukraine. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how you're doing that? Because I think it's a beautiful thing yeah. that you are doing. Well, originally when I made the business cases for the books and the e-learning courses, um, the plan was for them to be non-profit. But then I didn't uh, know what how many I was going to sell. Uh, so, um, but since they have been uh, become immensely popular, I have sold uh, maybe ten times as many, I think, as I had in the business case. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. So then there was a profit, and um, so I, well, I have uh, paid for a drone for um, which will hopefully help save Ukrainian lives. Uh, that was the first thing I did. And then I started uh, getting involved with a, um, um, a voluntary organization called Northside. So I have donated money to them, but I have also gone with Northside twice to Ukraine and paid all my own expenses, plus a bit more And on those tours. One was in, in September and the second one was, I, I just came back a week ago. So I just told you when we started that my head is still a mess after this trip, because when you enter a war, um, a country at war, things are very different. And uh, uh, it's, uh, we went actually uh, to the borderline. We could hear them shooting at each other. So we were so close, just a couple of kilometers away. And there were explosions in places we had been, there were explosions just minutes after we left actually. So, um, and when you meet people in such um, dire conditions, it does something to you mentally in your head. I'm sure. still Absolutely trying does. to sort out my head afterwards. Uh, so, so that's what I did. I, I spent money on actually, and, and the first trip we brought uh, t- 20 tons of equipment. Um, it was everything from stoves, like winter wood-burning stoves. It was... Um, equipment for hospitals. It was also laptops for schools because we are very concerned that uh, Ukrainian children will not be able to continue their education because of the war. So we are collecting uh, laptops in Norway. So if you have, if you live in Norway, you're listening to this and you have any laptops to give away, we're very interested. We soft them up with uh, Linux, which is free software. Uh, which can also run on older uh, computers. And on this trip, we had uh, lots of uh, laptops we delivered to, I think it was 10 schools and 15 libraries. And we also have had packages which Norwegian children had packed for Ukrainian children. So they were with uh, food and candies. And we went to very underprivileged families and delivered these packages. And we saw the children actually eating the candies. And it was very strong experiences because, uh, uh, as an example, one of the family had been uh, refugees twice. They uh, were refugees in 2014. They moved somewhere else in Ukraine. And then this um, uh, place where they were and this, uh, moved to, 
was bombed and then they moved again. So they had been refugees twice. And the conditions they lived in, I mean, nobody in Norway ever lives in such conditions. And the children were so happy for these little candies and very strong impressions, actually. So that's what I do with my spare money. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing that you're doing as you kind of touched on, but I want to, I want to highlight you do this at somewhat of a risk. There's the psychological side of it. You know, you, you see these things, you carry these people's conditions and stories with you, uh, probably for the rest of your life. So it's a load you have to carry. Yeah. I just want to say that I I work with, um, Ukrainian culture is one of the cultures I have worked with. And I always try to understand the cultures that I, I have competence on by being in the culture. So I have uh, gone to Ukraine many times since 2008. And now I work with Ukrainian refugees in Norway. And I would like to understand what it's like to live in, what they have escaped from and what it's like to live in a country, in their country. And I also wanted to feel some of their pain because then when I meet them in Norway now, I, I can relate to that pain. So that's what I wanted to do. And I also... That's important. Yes. And I also I also wanted, because I know so many Ukrainians, and they are mostly young people in their 30s, and they have children, or they're going to have children. And I wanted to go there for them, in a way, because I'm, I've, I'm older now, and if I... If something happens to me, it's not so bad as if it happens to somebody in their 30s, if you understand. So in a way, I do it also for them. And again, at at great risk to your own well-being, both mentally and physically, as you said, there are, um, you know, uh, uh, strikes, you know, uh, explosions and whatnot in the area where where you are. You can hear the rounds going off and and whatnot in the when I think of, you know, the work that has to be done when it comes to immigration and people assimilating into the Norwegian society, it is important that the people who work in that field understand the background, the baggage, uh, the possible trauma that these newcomers are carrying with them. If you don't understand that, if you don't uh, sympathize with it to a certain degree, I question how a person or an organization can properly assist those people. You have to understand that aspect of their of their background. I think it's vital. You have to understand where they came from in order to help them go forward. That's how I feel too. And now I have been there and I will probably go again. Um, so I feel I understand it now. Hmm. Well, I, uh, for one, think highly of you and and the work that you do, both in Ukraine, because those people need that kind of help, and also here in Norway, because immigrants and refugees need that kind of help here in Norway. Um, Do you get tired sometimes? Yes, I guess I do. I'm tired now after being in Ukraine and (laughs) driving around on slippery roads for two weeks. But do you do you do you do something about it when you're tired? In other words, how do you how do you how do you keep yourself going? How do you work on that tiredness? How do you how do you work to negate it? I think 
uh, the feedback I get from people. I get so much feedback from people saying how my books and courses have helped them. And that really inspires me in my work and drives me to carry on. I get uh, every day I get emails or I get thank you notes from uh, a lot of them from Ukrainians, but also from others. I want to tell you a sweet little story about a Polish guy who read my book, Working with Norwegians, and he wrote to thank me. And he told me that uh, I had been asking, I had been working in Norway for a while, and I'd been asking my Norwegian boss lots of questions, uh, which he could not answer. He was not able to answer them. And then I came across your book, and I read your book, and I found all the answers in your book. And when I'd finished reading it, I gave it to my Norwegian boss and I said, please read this because this book addresses all my questions and it also has the answers. So he gave it to his boss. And when I hear stories, this is just one story, but and I get many of them. That's how I recover. And I think uh, it's uh, that my work has some value because I think what drives me the most is helping other people. That is what makes me happy and it makes me also less tired. Mm. Well, there you go. Good advice to people who are tired. Roll around in the feedback. But I, I, but I think that's important. You know, <clears throat> depending on the kind of work one does, uh, it, it can get tiring. And a person can very quickly, very easily lose sight of their successes. So to be able to reconnect by actually engaging in a little bit of introspection and looking back on what you have done and where you are today, that can heal the tiredness and that can inspire you. That can, you know, self-inspiration is a very seldom used tool, but it sounds like you know when to do that. Good for you. Good for you. I want to ask you to do a couple of things for me. Um, this is something I ask of everyone who comes on my show. Um, the people who I ask on my show, my guests, they're people who inspire me, who motivate me, people who I think I can learn something from uh, in some aspect of life or, or business. Um, I want to ask you, uh, I'm going to say three words, and I'm going to ask you to complete the sentence. <laughs> Because I think the way you complete this sentence is going to make it clear as to why you are an inspiring person. I'm going to say three words. You finish this You're sentence. You're scaring okay? me now. <laughs> Good. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm going to say three words. Cotton Ellis is? Very happy when she can help other people. Ah, there you go. And that fits. I believe that you are a tr you are truly a very giving soul, a very giving person. Again, what you do is at great risk to your own uh, emotional well-being, your own physical uh, well-being when you do these things in Ukraine, not just for Ukraine, but in Ukraine. Um, yeah, you're a very giving soul. Thank you. And then the other thing I like to do, um, again, because I feel that you're quite the inspiring person, is there something you can say to everyone who's watching or listening this episode of Coming Home with John Allen, something you can say to them that can help them through this thing that we call life. Um, you know, you see it in the work that you do. Some people are doing quite well and other people are struggling in small ways or larger ways and everything in between. What can you say to people? Uh, take as long as you want. Say something, if you would, please, to inspire. 
Well, life is like a bendy road and you never know what's around the next bend. Uh, there could be happiness or, I mean, if you are in a, in a bad spot, then life will most likely become better. But I think, again, if you can help somebody else, because that is my motto in life. I hear so many people saying, how can we help? Because there's so much tragedy in, in the world. And then my motto is, if you can only help, if you can only help one other person, then your life has been worth something. Your life has been worth living. Because, and if you can help more than one person, then that is, of course, an extra bonus. But we should not focus on the fact that so many people need help and that makes us feel helpless. We have to start somewhere. Please help somebody else. Uh, so that is the advice I would give up. That's a very beautiful and helpful thing to say because a lot of people get kind of caught up in the hopelessness of it all. There are a lot of people with a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues out there in the world that need to be solved, but they're not going to get solved if you just sit and, and, and worry over it without doing something. Do something and change at least one life and there is great satisfaction. There's, gr there's a great um, addition to the goodness of the world if just one person's life is saved or significantly changed for the better. Couldn't agree with you more. Before we close out, Cotton, uh, is there anything about the work that you do that we haven't covered? Because again, the work that you do is so important. I want to get as much of it out there as possible in the few minutes that we have. Is there anything else you want to put out there about? So um, maybe just summarize that my two most important products are applying for jobs in Norway for job seekers, which are available as a book, as e-learning or online course, if you like, or as a classroom course. I can also be requested to conduct the course live. So it's just to contact me. The second one is working with Norwegians, which again is a book, e-learning or online course and classroom course, which I'm very happy to conduct in Norway or outside Norway, live or classroom or online. Yeah. So, where, where are your offices located? What city? Uh, in Bergen, Norway. Yeah. No, I challenge and encourage people who need any sort of services or learning in these fields of work concerning uh, immigrants, refugees, and their assimilation into the Norwegian society, the work society specifically, I encourage everyone to contact Cardin Ellis at ellisculture.com. Um, are there any, what, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? I'm sure there's a contact form on your website. Yeah, the, uh, no, not a contact form, but my mail address is there. So I prefer to get a mail because then you can write in free text and whatever, include. Excellent. Yeah. So everyone go to www.ellisculture.com. You'll see caught in Ellis's email there. Send her an email. If you have questions, comments, you want to support her in some way, you want to help in some way, or if you need support and help, this is a two-way street at Ellis Culture. Yeah. And if you want to help Ukraine, you can uh, check out Norsaid, their Facebook group or their website and donate through Norsaid because uh, when you, if you donate to no Norsaid, uh, the money, uh, there will be no administration cost. Uh, there are no white tablecloths or 
or cigars in this group. Uh, so so uh, we spend every money on Ukraine and we go actually to where the help is needed most. Many other uh, organizations, they deliver in, the, in just on the border, but we actually travel, as I mentioned, we travel to the borderline yeah. and deliver the goods where uh, the need is uh, the, the biggest. And lastly, I just want to mention that I also do um, multicultural uh, sessions on multicultural work environment, uh, but that is more for Norwegians or mixed groups. Multifaceted uh, approach to some of these issues uh, in Norway from uh, from Yukon, and it's uh, it's it's very fascinating the work that you do. Um, it's very impressive the engagement uh, th- that you have. It's inspiring. Thank it's you. inspiring. Thank and you. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for the longest. Thank you so much, Cotton, for being my guest here today. I really appreciate it. I'm very honored to have had you as a guest. I've admired your work for quite some time. So thank you for gracing my program. I really appreciate you, Cotton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Again, everybody, this is Cotton Ellis. Thank you so much. I want people to to know what you do. Uh, go to ellisculture.com, everybody. Also, I want everybody to go to johnallenpod.com, J-O-H-N-A-L-A-N-P-O-D.com. I do some things for free, but not everything. You'll see something when you go to my website. You can get my audio book. If you like my voice and you think I'm good at telling stories, go there. You'll get my audio book where I tell my story. That's at johnallenpod.com. Everybody go out there, love and be loved and enjoy the process. Thank you, Cotton. And thank you everybody for watching and listening.